coming from you live from M's Liquor Cabinet, it's Comics and Cocktails with Ryan Buckley. Hello, everybody. Ian O'Neill. Hey. And myself, Sean Markle. All so, right. Everyone, uh, we're going to do a very special episode today where we discuss comics with a hint of intrigue. Where we'll be discussing spy comics, specifically the new James Bond comic by Warren Ellis. We'll probably talk about the James Bond movie too. Absolutely. Yeah, all of us saw it. Because it was basically a comic on film. Some of us saw it twice. (laughs) Only twice? (laughs) Only twice so far. (laughs) But let's do that. And obviously it would be sacrilege if you were talking about James Bond and not drinking a... Vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. All right. Coming up, sir. Excellent. So we'll start off with the comic itself. Uh, Dynamite Comics relaunching the James Bond comic series with Warren Ellis writing 007 Wagner. What did you think about this book so far, Ian? Well, first off, uh, awesome cover. At least the main cover. There are plenty of variant covers. Um, there sure are. <laughs> but I think the the normal cover was maybe the best one. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think part of the appeal of Bond and part of the thing I personally love about Bond is the product placement. If you're watching a Bond movie, you're getting sold everything you ever wanted to buy, which so be it. They kept it with the comics as well. So yeah, there's 14 different covers probably. And yeah, I probably do want all of them because some of them are just cool images of Bond and like seeing him in print. It's just, it's, oh, it's so great to see. Yeah. You're right about that product placement. I really needed those $400, uh, Purcell sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> cheers, guys. Absolutely. So cheers. 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 Now, the book starts off with everything that you want in a James Bond book. It starts off with a very, like, almost a cold open where you see someone being dealt with by this mysterious figure in the snow. And then as it goes on, that figure is revealed to be 007 himself which I think is a great way to start off a comic book. Yeah, it's just like the yeah. movies. It reflects like the open action sequence and mm-hmm. to make it go fast, there's no dialogue. And yeah, there's no dialogue for what, three or four pages? Yeah, it's like one, two, three, four, five. Oh, even more than that. Six, seven. Guy's getting his fingers cut off. And then the first line is? Well, they kind of talk back and forth, but the whole time... You don't really see Bond's face, just like in yeah. uh, Dr. No, until he finally says, just talk about how yeah. 008 was killed. And then he says, and I'm 007. Yeah. You very almost effective. hear the music kicking in there. Yeah. Exactly. And one of the great things about reading the book, too, like I love reading Bond in this medium. Like I've read the Ian Fleming novels. I've seen all the movies, even the really bad ones. But I love watching or reading Bond in a comic book format because it also appeals to that you can tell a story without having to use dialogue. I think Bond is a great character for that. Yeah. Yes, you know him for all those insane one-liners and like all the famous Bond quotes, but at the same time, you also know him as the guy who did a parkour scene at the beginning of Casino Royale with like very little dialogue or mm-hmm. the guy who jumped off like a mountain and then had like a Union Jack parachute. Like yeah. there's so many images in the Bond franchise that don't need words to explain. And I love how that comic kind of played into that. Yeah. And the new Bond movies like that, like let's not spoil the movie. We'll spoil the hell out of this comic though. Yeah. Um, but the movie has uh, one of the probably top three 
opening sequences, I think, of Bond films. It is so great. Hands down. Definitely. Unbelievably Hands good. Mm-hmm. I think, speaking of opening, though, they missed an opportunity for me. Like, I would have loved to have changed, turned that page and had, like, the white circles, like, the opening, and then, like, one of those classic opening shots of, like, the... Uh, the lava lamp, half naked girls, <laughs> like dancing on top of the silhouetted gun. Yeah. And then, but the at the same proper. time, like it's also an Ian Fleming story. So yeah, you're equating that to like the James Bond movies, but there's also the James Bond novels, which where obviously right. Ellis is taking yeah. more Liberty from. Yeah. And the dialogue is gritty. Like we go into a scene of the villains, I guess are going to be manufacturing some kind of drug called green. And you see some pretty nasty scenes of users of the drug. And what I also really dug about the book is that it didn't really, it felt timeless. Like it didn't feel like, oh, this is set in current day or this is set in the 60s. It was just a James Bond story. It didn't matter if it was a Connery Bond story or a Daniel Craig story. It's a James Bond story. Who do you think he most looks like, Ian? (laughs) I agree. Um, There was some tech that definitely I think is more modern day shown, but for the most part, it could really be at any time. Um, I liked uh, Q in it. Um, little John Cleese style and yep. um, some snarky dialogue, um, which was enjoyable. Um, what did you guys think of M? M's black. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't understand. Like, he just seems to be an authoritarian. And like, I think yeah, my favorite great. part is James Bond kind of getting talking down to M because like in all the scenes and all the movies and everything like that, you always get such like, there's a such a mutual level of respect for these two characters, but M also can't put up with James Bond shit all the time. Cause he's the one who has to answer for that. And I think that's good to realize. Yeah. And talk about like the visual me- like storytelling medium of comics, the first page where he introduces him, he tells him to have a seat and then he makes him just sit there and wait and he checks his watch. He hasn't drawn it close enough yeah. to see that it's like a very expensive Omega watch, probably. Yeah. And then, then he finally talks to him to kind of sit, show who's boss. I thought it was nicely done. And there was always that flirtation with Money Penny because it's fun having. She that. looks like she does in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great cartoon work, like the acting and the faces. Um, we should probably say who the creative team is. You say it was like Warren Ellis. Yeah. Yep. And the artist is Jason Masters, who I'm not familiar with. No, but neither he's am I. Great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, they captured the James Bond feel really well. So big question. I got, you know, issue number one because I'm caught up in James Bond fever this week. Mm-hmm. But are you guys down for number two? Do you want to see what happens next? Absolutely. I'm definitely signing on for number two. Yeah, me too. I Criticisms? The only thing is I may wait before I read number two because I think based on the first issue, I think this is going to read better as a full trade as opposed to just uh, floppy issues. Oh, yeah, totally. Because I'm wondering if they even almost wrote it that way. Did you find the ending to be abrupt? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it felt like it cut to almost like commercial where you wouldn't expect it to be. Yeah, I think that that might come out of running, writing it as a uh, like fluid uh, James Bond story, and then having to cut it up into into six issues. Yeah, and that might be a result of that, um, which you might run into. I would agree that it would read better in trades, but I don't know if I can wait. No, yeah, no, I'm either. I mean, I I can't wait. I'm going to buy it, and I think. I'm glad that they're writing like a longer story. They're not like slaving themselves to the the issue, um, the one issue and having to do a cliffhanger every issue mm-hmm. or something like that. So, and uh, yeah, but it's kind of weird. All the ads are at the back of the book. So I was like flipping through, like, did I miss a page? Like I looked, I checked the staples and I was like, did I get a bad print copy or something? <laughs> no. But um, they could have put like a tagline, like, you know, 
look for Bond. James Bond will be back in issue. Oh yeah, he's in yeah, issue two. In issue two. James, James Bond, Bond in Berlin. I mean, it might get tired. Yeah, they should have said that. Uh, I I the love first that one stuff. They done, yeah, right? whatever. Like right? Yeah. Me. Now, before we get into Spectre, um, let's talk about other spies in comics because it's such a broad genre. And comic, some comic spy books I think are phenomenal. Like, I don't know if I read a lot, like, but we were talking about Grayson. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dick Grayson, for those of you who aren't caught up on the DC he uh, lore, he currently is on the lam. Everyone thinks he's dead, but that's kind of come out that he's not dead after the events of Forever Evil. And he is infiltrating an organization called Spiral. Right. And Dick Grayson is, if you don't know, he was the first Robin. Mm -hmm. uh, so Batman's first student. So he's a gymnast. Um, so incredibly acrobatic and strong and flexible. Uh, and now he's learning all this spy craft. Um, and it's, I, I'm, I came pretty late to this party. Like I only got the last couple of issues and I've gone back and picked up the first trade, the first collection. And I'm only a little bit ways through it right now, but it's great. But I, I was trying to think when you said that, let's talk about like spy comics. Um, I don't really read that many. Mm -hmm. I mean, Grayson might be it. Um, I don't read a lot of them either. The one I thought of, which might fit uh, the genre, would be Secret Warriors. Yep. Uh, from a few years ago. Um, Hickman's uh, run, it was ran for like two years, I think 24 issues. Yeah, it started with actually Hickman and Bendis writing. And that yeah. was Hickman's yeah. first like introduction yeah. in Marvel, pretty much. Yeah, Bendis plotted it. And I mean, with those two guys on it, it basically, whether it's spy or not, you're going to want to read it anyways. Yeah. Um, they are one of Nick Fury's sort of teams after Secret Invasion. So he pulls out um, a bunch of uh, lesser known uh, power people with powers in the Marvel Universe and puts them together on teams. The problem being that it follows a team that's sort of more of a heavy hitter uh, team as opposed to ones that are doing like the intrigue and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm not sure if I would necessarily completely qualified as a spy comic. I think any book where Nick Fury is fighting yeah. Hydra counts as a spy Yeah, book. I mean, and you get Nick Fury alone time too, where yeah. he's definitely doing spy stuff. Um, but when you're with like uh, Daisy Johnson, who's now in um, Marvel, in, Agents, in of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of Shield, yeah. um, like obviously earthquakes and stuff, not really great for spying. Um, and some of the other people on the team are pretty powerful as well. So they're kind of like the fist that he uses and is, uh, he has other teams that are more of the spy teams, but, but there is flying cars and I mean, <laughs> there's like, flying cars in Nick Fury. Read, like, yeah, yeah. He's got a cool flying car. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, and like that 60s style Nick Fury books, like those are awesome. Like those are mm -hmm. so classic, like spy. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, you get a couple flashbacks and, yep. And yeah, it's, it's a great run. And I would say qualifies as, as a spy book. Yep. Um, the spy book that I would say I really enjoyed is actually Ed Brubaker's, uh, Fatale. Oh, yeah. No, Velvet. Sorry, I'm thinking Velvet, not Fidel. Um, it's kind of plays where the, it Fidel's takes them- more like that noir one. Yeah, right? exactly. So. We can talk about that on a different book because I love all of Brubaker's stuff. Um, but Velvet, where it takes like this idea of James Bond, a James Bond type character yeah. has been assassinated and they everyone thinks Moneypenny did it. So she goes on the lam and then it kind of reveals like this- interesting backstory where this girl's not just a secretary. She has like a history of espionage and a history of like yeah. the reason why she was in that position was to protect people because she was fully capable. And it's a great book. Like it's still huh. ongoing. It doesn't come out as often as I would like it to, but I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're yes. into looking for spy literature. I think, I think I got issue one and read it and I, totally got that. I'm like, oh, this is novel. It's like Money Penny's kind of like the hero. Mm -hmm. And then I never bought issue two. I just, you know. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of it. Yeah. 
Definitely check it out. Now, I think we should wrap up by talking about Spectre. Yeah. Obviously, it's a James Bond movie. It may not necessarily have anything to do with comic books, but like we were all there. It was. Fantastic. I think it does though. We were talking about this, so um, we all liked it. Obviously, yeah, absolutely, definitely. We're, I would say, they're pretty, pretty big Bond fans. Are we saying that we have a Bond bias? Yeah, because yeah. I definitely do. Yeah, totally. If it was James Bond drinking martinis for three hours, I'd be like, it was film gold. Like, why aren't <laughs> we just watching it again and again? Yeah, and it's getting. Um, it's getting mixed reviews, I think. And it is. People yeah. are raving about it or hating on it. And I think, uh, you know, do your own research and read about it online. Like what what people's main problem, a lot of people think it's a step backwards from the gritty anti-hero that Daniel Craig was. And a lot of people are pointing to like his relationship with women and those type of pol- like gender politics in it. And they're saying it's a throwback to the cheap laughs and the Roger Moore era where he's just kind of winking at the camera and doing the one-liners. And he doesn't seem to have like, like there's not a ton of dialogue in the movie, you know. There's not. I and would I would agree it's a throwback, but I don't think uh, Roger Moore. I think you're throwing back further to Sean. Connery. I think so. I think yeah. it's a it's a real love letter to the fans. Like anybody who's a real hardcore Bond fan will like it. And I mean, it's and nothing to do with gender, men and women alike. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that if if you're expecting something more like like Skyfall Part Two, it's not it's, that. It's at not all. that. It, it takes what they've set up in the, the Craig Bond movies uh, and combines it, in my opinion, very well with the previous Bond formula that you, we used to get with, with Connery and, and with a little bit with Roger Moore, but not quite at the height of the cheesiness of Roger Moore. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I mean, maybe it's just because I have that Bond bias, but like you can put James Bond on a train in a white tuxedo jacket and I will be just as excited to see him sit and have a drink a martini as opposed to like a big action set piece. Because oh yeah, for sure. it's very slow moving, but they have a classic henchman, mm-hmm. Mr. Hanks, played by Guardians of the Galaxy's Dave Bautista, yeah. which he did a great job as Amazing. a Bond henchman because mm-hmm. he's exactly what you want in a movie. And obviously without spoiling any things, I thought Ernest, um, sorry, I thought, Chris, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> I almost said it. Almost said it. It's um, still a mystery. Oops. Christoph Waltz it's did a there. great job. Yeah, I think so. And are we, we Le- really had to work with. They, they, I think that could have been a bit better. Leia Sadu is probably the greatest Bond girl since Ava Green. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. she was all right. She was all right. I. I <laughs> it was a lot like a comic book. That's what I was trying to get at earlier. Mm-hmm. The way that the uh, the characters. Like if you're a comic book fan, you want to see the characters act like the characters and do the things that you like, just in new situations and scenarios. But you're not looking for reinvention and growth and believability or even verisimilitude. Like he, like I don't think he shot somebody more than once, and every shot he fired and his gun hit. That's because he shoots. To yet kill. the bad guys were like stormtroopers on a bad day. That's true. Yeah. And but I mean that's fine. Like I don't want to go there and see something that I believe in. I mean it's Bond. Yeah. I just well, want to be entertained <laughs> and be sold things yeah. because like the yeah. product placement was amazing and if I can afford an Omega watch, I'm definitely buying an Omega watch. Or at least yeah. a knockoff. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, you, you get the Bond clichés, but that's part of 
bringing the classic and the modern together. You're going to get some of the cliches, but we like the cliches. That's why they're cliches. That's why if you talk to like like Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Christopher Nolan, like all these great filmmakers, I, was, I do talk on, to them all the time, uh, are on record <laughs> saying like they love watching those classic Bond films yeah. because like you can see the early Bond films influence on the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan and things like that because Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy was kind of like an American Bond movie for the most part. And like it adds up like Alfred plays the role of M and like mm -hmm. Lucius Fox plays Q and like that kind of dynamic works out with Batman, but it's just taken from this classic lore of Ian Fleming's 007. And, and Italia is a femme fatale. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's phenomenal. And the people who are complaining about Spectre, I don't think appreciate it Spectre for what it was. And that was a classic James Bond film in the modern era. I'd have to agree. I think it has like a, 60 something on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And yeah, I, I was pretty shocked by that. I yeah, was, I was shocked by how low they But I don't think the, like Skyfall is a bit of an exception. Like the Bond films never were critically well received. It's never been about pleasing critics. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess we're being critical of it and just saying it's amazing. <laughs> and we're going to keep sticking with that. So yeah. I think with that being said, I think uh, unless there's any other information for your eyes only, are we done today? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to call it a wrap. This yeah. is our, our special spy episode. We're going to finish these uh, vodka martinis. What do you think about these, by the way? I mean, I am not a vodka a, man. That's <laughs> no. what I've decided. It's basically just vodka. <laughs> nah. Yeah. But it's cold vodka. And I guess it's Yeah, it has gone. to be cold. All right, cheers, guys. We're going to wrap up. So we're going to sign up. Better way to do that. Yeah, it's too hard. We're all lined up. Um, so yeah, we're Comics and Cocktails. This was episode three, our James Bond special. Uh, we're going to be back shortly and uh, we're part of the Full Pop Media family. You can check us out at Full Pop TV. That website address is F-A-U-X-P-O-P.TV. Uh, you can uh, follow our RSS feed there. You can set up us on Android, on iTunes. There's also a link to our blog and uh, you can reach out to us by email and Twitter. And uh, yeah, and we're recorded right here in the Faux Pop station in Goddard, Ontario, and produced by the life model decoy robot of Mark Hussey this week. And we'll be back soon. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, take care. Cheers, guys. Double cheers? Double cheers. <laughs> Multiple cheers. I just <laughs> want to get rid of it. Good, good point. Awesome. <laughs>